0: Before we get started, I want to take the opportunity to talk to you about our partner for this podcast, Famigo, formerly known as BravoPay. Famigo is a marketplace and payment platform for musicians and content creators like streamers, sports influencers, personal trainers, and, well, podcasters. You can create a fan page and set up shop offering physical and digital products as well as premium subscriptions. It's easy to share with others on your social media so that, for the rest of you, can support your favorite creators. Check it out at famigo.com. I'll leave more info in the description. You're listening to The 80-20 Show, an inside look into the music industry. Welcome, everybody, to The 80-20 Show. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlik. And my next guest is Brian, also known as House Ninja, a DJ, producer, and entertainer. He is also the host of the Producer Life podcast, which I had the pleasure of being a guest on. In this interview, we discuss how he got started in music production by self-educating himself, as well as why he created a podcast. Just a hint, it's very similar to why the 8020 show was created. In addition, we go into depth about thriving and adapting in the music industry and the lessons learned along the way. It is my pleasure to give you Brian, aka House Ninja. Okay, and then we're gonna go ahead and record here. Thank you, Zoom. Alright, I'm gonna do a three two one countdown. Nope, oh, hold on. I lied, I am not prepared i'm gonna set my do not deserve on my computer to make sure nobody bothers me and putting my phone on the floor there we go i got mine on airplane mode there you go that's a smart move i should probably do that all right here we go three two one how's it going brian thank you so much for being on the podcast how are you i am outstanding thanks for having me mike Oh, my pleasure. You know it's funny being on the the opposite side because I had the honor and pleasure to being on your pa- podcast earlier, which was such <laughs> a wonderful and fun experience. I, we We talked for a long time, I think, too.
1: We did. it was a, It was a great interview, and I appreciated it, and it uh, it's nice to be interviewed by somebody that I've already got a little
0: connection with. Absolutely. And that's the thing I love about the podcasting community is the fact that it is a kind of a camaraderie amongst podcasters where we get to um, be on each other's podcasts and help each other out, you know, gain new audiences, but also um, being on the flip side of things where, you know, you ask each other questions and it's like this one gigantic conversation that is over multiple episodes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. it's It's been a good experience for me and, and I'm looking forward to
0: this interview. Excellent. So we'll get started here. Um, so we'll get right down to the uh, core basics here is how did you get yourself into music? How did you get started? <laughs>
1: um, so I realized about five or six years ago, um, I, I love dancing and I love the club community. Um, I just love that atmosphere. You know, anytime I'm out and I hear that thumping bass in the distance, it, it just draws me to it like a firefly. So um that, that environment is something I've always loved. And then as I thought about, you know, things I enjoy doing, I'm also a geek. So I love playing with computers. I love twisting knobs. Uh, I started doing some research and I learned about digital audio workstations, DAWs like Ableton, and uh, it just kind of clicked. I fell in love and um, I, I can't get enough of messing around and making sounds and coming up with new arrangements and mashups and remixes and, um, it just works works really well because I love the culture. I love the, the technology behind it as well.
0: Now, did you have a
1: music, music background before then? Did you play any instruments before? Not so much. Um, when I was a kid, probably like everybody, you know, my parents forced me to try out piano. I, I didn't do violin, but I did do trumpet for a little while, and I tried out guitar. Um, none of them really stuck. Um, interestingly, we were at a music store one time, And we came across a synthesizer. And this was a few years back. And I loved the ethereal, heavenly sounds that this this synthesizer made. And I begged and begged and begged and waited for Christmas. And finally, my parents did buy me that synthesizer. And um, I loved playing around with it. I loved pushing the buttons and making the sounds. But I never stuck with the practice part of it, uh, which I'm kind of lamenting now. But I think that kind of foreshadowed my interest in, you know, more so the technology than the theory, you know, later on. Um, And and today, you know, for for me, it's I have keyboards and I'll pick out melodies and I'm still dinking around with Alfred's level two. Um, And and I think if I played the piano better, it would definitely be a benefit. but it's not a requirement these days to be a producer you know you can uh, you you can draw everything like dead mouse does by hand in the piano roll using your mouse and still come up with some amazing music
0: which i find is very interesting because i find there's some sometimes two levels of thought on that process which is the the traditional where you should you know practice and learn an instrument and to uh you know a, to a professional or master level and then you know go into and then you see a lot of producers they'll they'll be professional musicians first and then they get into producing later and it's interesting now with technology you don't necessarily have to do that and there are some pe- people in the boat of that that opens up so much more opportunities but then there's others that feel like that i guess i don't want to say like taking a shortcut but feeling like that you are detrimenting yourself if you're not at least learning an instrument first before getting to producing
1: Yeah, I, I would, I would love to one day have a live performance that involves also playing a little bit on the keyboard. Um, I just don't have the time right now to practice and get that good. And so given a choice of making new songs and remixes and mashups or learning to play the piano, the best use of my time right now is working on the the digital portion of the music because I mean, some pianists, I enjoy going to uh, Howl to the Moon. Do you have a Howl to the Moon in Arizona? Uh no we don't actually. It's a dueling piano bar. It's a chain, but it's oh you know what I yes
0: we do have one. I do know what you're talking about. Yes we do.
1: Yeah, and and the pianists at Howl of the Moon are just phenomenal. They you know one person will start a tune, somebody in the audience who yells something out, and then the next person will just pick it up and you know create a harmony and sing along and you know just on the fly song to song. It is phenomenal, and I, I am awed by their piano talent. Um, but if I ever aspired to that, I would have no time to actually make music. Uh, you know, I would be a great pianist, but but I wouldn't have any tracks to release. So, you know, it, it ultimately comes down to, and I, I think part of the secret to being a successful person is identifying the optimal use of your time for your goals. Um, and, and given the limited amount of time that I have, you know, focusing on the Mastering Ableton and understanding enough music theory to be able to get around and understand how to put together uh, chords and melodies and bass lines and that sort of thing. That's that's where I focus my time.
0: Which makes perfect sense. And it's interesting. I think it's a different type of discipline, too, to be perfectly honest. And this is somebody from I'm coming from the perspective of that since I was five years old, I was getting private piano lessons for 10 years (laughs) And then also was a trumpet player in, you know, elementary school and high school and studied jazz trumpet under a mentor for all through college. And I originally thought before starting a business that I was going to be a music teacher. So that was going to be my original path. But I found that the discipline, I think, which is what you're referring to, for practicing an instrument over and over and over again, for me... I like lots of things. I, I my my attention goes everywhere as far as what I really like to get my hands into. So I found that actually being an entrepreneur made a lot more sense because I get that gives me the ability to kind of dive into all different kinds of things and areas. So that's where I end up focusing my attention towards. So I think it's it really comes down to the discipline, but I like the fact that now, despite your discipline that you can now create music. And I think that's the most important thing that people that don't necessarily have the discipline to practice an instrument eight to 10 hours a day to get really, really good still has the ability to create incredible music and still get it out there.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny how, you know, for different people, different things hold your attention some people can i mean I think it really comes down to that flow state you know that state where you are just hyper focused on something and you can channel everything else out and you're you're happy and you're mentally engaged and hours will will go by. you know for me working in ableton puts me in a flow state very quickly if i can if I can sort of block out all the distra- uh, distractions but I have a very hard time doing a 15 minute practice session on an instrument obviously there's plenty of musicians out there that that are totally opposite and would much rather play an instrument than sit at a computer screen for eight hours. So it's, I I think it's all about identifying the things that make you happy and put you in that flow state and then trying to optimize your time so that you can stay in that state as much as you can. I 100% agree. So now that you knowing that
0: producing is the path for you and knowing that you are, you know, a part of the club culture and things like that too. How how did you start educating yourself? Did you did you have a, you know, go did you go to get a, uh, you know, a proper edge not I don't want to say proper but like cuz cuz I there's a, the reason why I'm going down this path. So, not necessarily proper education but like um, you know, established uh, education like through college or things like that or did you self-learn? Like how did you how did you get educated?
1: Yeah. I I have a proper education. It just has nothing to do with music. So, um, Oh, really? What was your proper education? (laughs) I was actually a psych major. Um, Wow. So, so, you know, the podcasting thing kind of ties into that. I I enjoy talking with people and and trying to, uh, you know, anywhere you go, you deal with people. So a a psych major is is useful, but not maybe less so for actually making money. Um, So I decided to go into a highly profitable career, like being a DJ. Of course. Um, Of course. Uh, So... In terms of educating myself with music, you know, I, I decided later, I, I'm, I'm interested in in learning how to do music on a computer. And I guess the first thing that I had to figure out was what software because I started, you know, where everybody does with Google. Um, and, and I guess the first decision point that I came to was, all right, what software am I going to use and I, I settled pretty quickly on Ableton Live, because it's both a producing tool and it's a a DJing tool, you can use it for DJing and performances. and I recognize that the majority of producers out there use uh, CDJs, Recordbox, um, Serato, you know, even those other ones. But I, I felt like in my gut, as I was as I was kind of researching, that learning Ableton would give me more creative freedom, and it has. Although it's also kind of created its own nightmare because, you know it's a blank slate. So how one person DJs with it is different than another. And I spent like eight months in the pandemic trying to figure out how do I want to set up my DJ set? Whereas if you're in a traditional DJ software, it's pretty easy. You got two turntables and you know, so um, in terms of learning to make music, um, initially it was a lot of of YouTube videos and reading up there. Um, I'm pretty good about trying to figure out what's a credible source and what's not. So I'm, I'm skeptical if, I, if I'm looking at something online. Um, so I'm careful to try to listen to producers that have credibility and are making music that I'm interested in. Um, fairly early on, though, I heard about Ill Gates's Producer Dojo, which is a record label mentoring sort of DJ club. Um, and I signed up with them three or four years ago. And it's been great. He's got a lot of tutorials, which are useful. But the, the biggest thing is he's got a lot of experienced producers that do track feedback. And so that has been absolutely invaluable. Um, shout out to Sixth Street Music and uh, Trap Jesus for, for all their help. Um, also, they, they appeared on my podcast at one point. Um, but you know, they give it's one thing to ask your mom or your family, hey, what do you think of this song? It's always going to be, oh, I love it. It's another to ask another producer who isn't, doesn't have a vested interest in it because they will pick it apart and say, hey, you, you need more high end. Hey, your snares sound like trash. Hey, you need to, uh, you know, it's a little empty in this part. You need to relook at the arrangement. Um, and so that, that mentoring has been, has been really huge too.
0: It's interesting when you're talking about perspective too, because I also talk to um, our artists about that all the time of, you know, where, where is the most valuable feedback? And, it's always interesting trying to find that right balance, right? Because you're right. Like if you ask your mom or unless your mom is really brutally honest with you, right? <laughs> it's like sometimes it's good to get like the overall average listener opinion because I've seen it go both ways where you want to get that expert opinion because they understand the, the technical aspects of what you're trying to create. And they can advise you and guide you accordingly based upon their own experience. However, sometimes the flip side of that is that they're coming at it where they're thinking about it, not necessarily on how to make your version better. They're thinking about it of what would they do if they were in your place, which also doesn't really help you. So it's it's trying to find out the right experts of producers who are going to analyze what you're doing and make and helping make your version better at the same token, too. At the same on the flip side, you don't want to necessarily have your, you know, mom or best friend saying that you're like the next, you know, that you're basically the next dead mouse and then realize you know, that's really not helping you. That's just, you know, boosting your ego either. So it's like trying to find that right balance of people that's going to give you that valuable feedback so that you can really assess on how you can make yourself better.
1: Yeah. I, I do have to say, um one of the even if my my mom, for example, isn't able to offer technical advice on my music you know the the love and support has been so important from both my parents um you know from a very early age they always taught me to think broadly think creatively um you know you can do anything you want if you work hard enough at it you know that was that was almost a mantra um and so it you know, as, as I embarked on this journey to become a costume DJ producer, you know, um, as, as a second career, a lot of the, those, those words that they said to me growing up are are still ringing in the back of my head, you know, um, I, so, uh, I appreciate it. Shout out to mom and dad. (laughs) It, It is
0: important to have a support system and, uh, I, I also have a great parents that are extremely supportive to me and, um, you know, and the ventures that I go into. So it is really, it's, we're very fortunate that we have parents in our lives that are like that. And uh, I know that's not always true for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but that's why it's so important to have uh, a support system that's behind you and, and you know, believing in what you're trying to accomplish. So, um. I want to talk about something else that you mentioned earlier about uh, looking at credibility, especially online, because that's a really interesting one. And finding what is the good advice and what's bad advice, what's good instructions, what's bad instructions. And I was kind of curious if there was a cardinal rule, if you will, of producing that you discovered you should never do.
1: (laughs) Um. That's a good question. Something you should never do as a producer. Um, I mean, I guess the tried answer would be never stop learning. That's kind of a, you know, no matter where you are in your career. I I was really impressed. I'm trying to remember the guy that I interviewed. Um, He had had a whole bunch of huge collaborations Had played out at uh, major festivals. And he went back to school full-time at SAE. Um, and, and, you know, that just kind of blew my mind. He, for a lot of producers, you would think, all right, he's made it at this point. Um, I think that was, um, Haterade. I think that was Haterade. He was, I forget which episode, but you know, that, that just really impressed me that he was such a student of the art that even after reaching this, pretty big plat- plateau of success, he would go back to full time. Um, other than that, I mean it's it's art. There isn't a firm right or wrong. Um, you know, I think you could draw some rules of thumb like in general, you probably don't want harsh scree- screechy frequencies that make people's ears bleed. Um, you know, if you create an unpleasant sensation and if your music is clearing the dance floor, and you're trying to be a dance DJ, you're probably doing something wrong. But then again, there's plenty of experimental artists that you know have kind of this niche following um, that that do some pretty crazy stuff that you know certainly will never make it on radio as pop, but appeals to a certain certain group of people and fans. So it would be very hard for me to say never do X, um, other than maybe never stop learning.
0: You know, I like that as you always want to be a a student, if you will, no matter, you know, no matter how much you master your skill. In fact, the masters will tell you that they will be forever students, that they will always learn. And these I remember hearing that from uh, from actually from jazz musicians, like musicians that have been doing it for decades and they were mentioned that they still practice 68, six to eight hours a day and still <laughs> be learning about their instrument and being it, you know, doing it for 40, 50 years plus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't get stagnant. And um, I think that's one of the things that I, I I love about what I'm doing is that not only is there so much to learn about making music, but there's this whole other music business side and there's a lot of musicians out there, I think, that are bored by that. I, I'm kind of fascinated by that, too. You know, since I've started this, I've learned a podcast. I've learned to build a website. I've learned a little bit about Facebook advertising, um, uh, learned some more about marketing. I mean, there's there's all this different stuff. Uh, so for me, I get excited about all of it, um, which, which is partly why I've got the podcast. But it's hard to focus for me. You know, I, I have to deliberately set out time. Um, frequently my, my preference is in the morning. I'm an early morning person. I like to get up at five o'clock in the morning and spend two or three hours before I do anything else making music. Um, but there's there's always something else to learn about that's related to the music business, not just specific to how do I make a better sound on my synth or how do I make a better arrangement. I think that's
0: also important. Now, did you for because you self ed- educate yourself? um, going through, uh, going through YouTube videos, but also being in part of the right organizations and groups for producing. Did you take that same approach to the music business as well?
1: Um, no. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, so the podcasting piece, I, I originally learned about that through Pat Flynn, um, the smart passive income podcast, which is a phenomenal podcast for anybody that's involved in the small business world. Um, he talks about all sorts of entrepreneurial stuff. And he's got a podcasting course. Um, he's also got a ton of free references on his website. And I kind of went through a lot of the free references and that got me started. Um, I think I did also take a um, a class on one of the e-learning platforms, Coursera maybe, or um, one of those. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I, tried to seek out credible sources and Pat Flynn was one that, you know, from a podcasting perspective was good. I also listen to a lot of podcasts as a way of sort of continuing to learn and, uh, see what I like about different interview styles, et cetera. Um,
0: so I have to ask then, is that the reason why that you created, uh, your podcast? Was that the reason or how did you get um, about what, what made you decide that you wanted to now create your
1: own podcast? So Pat Flynn was certainly influential. He made a he made a very strong, he makes a very strong argument for why podcasting is a is a terrific way to engage with people. And and the argument basically goes like this: you know, people's attention spans on Twitter, TikTok, all these places is, you know, 240 characters, a minute or two at most. But if you look at the statistics, people will listen to podcasts for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And uh, you know, so when that happens week after week it really allows you to build a relationship with your listeners um, much more so than just about any other platform and i like that Um, that was part of it the the other part of it was i recognize that i learn better by teaching back to other people and by having a weekly podcast it forces me to keep learning things and engaging with people and it lets me network with people even for example during the pandemic so there there's a lot of sort of Tangential benefits to running a podcast from networking to self education to uh, helping to build an audience. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really good experience.
0: Wow, listeners, all of you listening, does that sound familiar? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: I talked about this, that a couple of times on the podcast of the reasons why I created the 8020 uh, show. And that's exactly the same reasons why I find that uh, I do find myself learning when I'm also teaching as well as asking questions, as well as a tool to network during the pandemic. So for anybody out there that wants to network, which I keep on repeating almost every single episode about the importance of networking, you can do a podcast. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, for myself, um, I'm naturally an introvert. So did you find that it was a challenge to get to be able to speak in the mic um, as a host? Like,
1: or did you, were you nervous at all? Um, maybe a little bit at first. I, I'm kind of strange in that I'm a, I think I'm an ENTJ. I'm I'm kind of an introvert extrovert. Um, you know, I actually like being up on stage. I like being the center of attention. But then when I'm off stage, I I prefer to kind of be left alone, and I'm happy to just focus on my work and uh, you know be in the computer. And so I, I kind of like spurts of social, um, you know going to a club and interacting with people. But then I want to be left alone and, and have quiet. Um, you know, I was I was the guy that in college when I needed to study, I would go back and hide in the very back of the library in the back of the stacks where nobody would bother me because that's the only way I focus. Um, so the podcast, another reason I wanted to do it, this is uh, this is the first time I've been on camera for a podcast. I like the audio generally um, because I don't have to get all dressed up. Um, so I got dressed up for you. I appreciate Uh, that. Hey, look, you know, I got like a regular t-shirt on here.
0: It's like, whatever. It's like super cash. (laughs) These, these
1: are my best ninja jammies. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So the audio format worked well for me, but no, I don't, I don't really have a problem with public speaking. Um, and, and I think that, um, that's 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 gonna be an important part of my live performances. One one of the other things that I've really enjoyed over the years, um I talked about piano bars, you know, I like the the showmanship. I love improv shows. Um like Whose Line Is It Anyway and uh you, you know the the because I'm I'm really impressed by people that can come up with humor on the spot, just like I'm impressed with people that can create music on the spot. Um so I I am working on a concept for a show that's kind of a hybrid improv with um a DJ performance, kind of educating about here's how music is presented in a humorous uh edutainment fashion, and then flowing seamlessly into a DJ performance. And I I, w- I want to offer that at like uh, sort of dinner show places and uh and whatnot, because there's, there's a lot of DJs out there competing for the same club jobs. Um, and so I'm trying to find niche markets where maybe th- that, that need is being under addressed.
0: That's brilliant. And that's the thing, too, is that music can be applied into so many different areas. And sometimes you want to think a little bit outside of the box of what would be standard for the type of music that you're doing and seeing where else can it can be applied towards. And music is supposed to be engaging. You know, yeah. you want to, you want to, that's why live performances, the reason why so many people are, you know, everyone's excited that live performances are not coming back is because of that reason. It's that, that energy of not only amongst the crowd of other like-minded individuals that want to be there to experience this, but also the engagement and energy of the
1: performers themselves. Yeah, It. We're talking about public speaking, it it was a strange, what was most strange for me was the first few live streams I did. Um, it, it felt extremely awkward. Um, if you've ever watched one of my live streams, I'm jumping all over the place and, you know, it feels very strange to be in a room by yourself jumping around waving your arms for a webcam. Um, so that that definitely took some getting used to. The the best way I could get around it was to to crank the music really loud on my headphones. And then I would kind of get into a zone and um, you know, just enjoy the music and enjoy the experience. But um it's just totally different being in front of an audience.
0: Absolutely. Now, did you find uh, you know, with live streaming, besides you know, trying to find that, that groove, was there anything that you were like adding to the live stream that would make it different in comparison to your live performance? Like how, how did you end up handling the the live stream component? Like
1: long-term? So I, I deliberately chose to make the live stream technically similar to what I do in a live performance. I tried to set it up as closely as possible so I, I wouldn't lose my skills and I, I would be able to develop and the skills that I was developing during the live stream and during the pandemic equate to a live performance so for example um i'm I'm using ableton live to dj um i'm using um Resolume, which is the big software that they use at a lot of festivals to control lights, I'm using Resolume controlled by Ableton to control the visuals um, up against a green screen. So, um, the only difference live would be instead of having a green screen behind me, I've got a projector and and a screen. Um, But it's the same thing. I'm DJing and VJing at the same time. um, And the setup on my controller is exactly identical. Um, So, I, I purposefully tried to make the live stream as close as possible to a, a real performance. So it was good practice and I could see how the setup works.
0: That's pretty brilliant. So you literally use a live stream as, as a way to hone your skills and, and to, you know, to basically keep, keep that momentum going for yourself and to and use it as practice.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: That's brilliant. Are you planning on still doing live streams now that live performances are coming back?
1: my focus right now is getting out in front of audiences i'm I'm actually waiting to hear back from a half dozen different places i've i've uh, reached out to um that's my focus right now I can definitely see myself doing live streams to fill in unused weekends but as i mentioned right now my time is at such a premium um, I'm trying to focus on the things that are most important and that's Uh, releasing a podcast each week. I'm actually considering scaling back to every other week because of this time issue producing music because that drives everything else and then performing. So I I guess it's three P's it's podcasting, producing, and um, performing. Those are, those are the big things that I'm trying to focus on. Yeah, that's a lot.
0: (laughs) That's a lot. Um, So uh, going back to the podcast for a second, uh, by the way, you, you, have done now over 70 episodes at the time of this recording, which that's incredible. Uh, I'm, I am I think you. we're at this time of recording, we're a little over 40 ourselves. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting now being into this, you know, kind of getting into this now we're kind of a little over a certain threshold of doing this. So I'm curious if there's um, any kind of uh, lessons that you've learned now as a podcaster with post 70 episodes into this.
1: Um. Let's see here. Consistency. Um, I, I have so far <laughs> uh, every week for the last 75 weeks, I think now, I, I have done an episode every week. Um, some are shorter than others. Um, so, my, my podcast, I do a mixture of interviews and kind of me teaching back stuff that I'm learning. Um, so, some of them are very short, 10, 15 minutes, which fits concisely in a commute. Um, and then others are no more than an hour long interview because I feel like you may lose people's attention after that point, um, so consistency is one. Um, asking for referrals is another. Um, I've had a few a few of my biggest um, artists that have been on the podcast have been just me reaching out to them and saying, "Hey, I like." Uh, XYZ song or I really like what you're doing here, would you like to come on the podcast? I've had these other people on. And and that's worked a couple of times. But more often than not, as as you remember at the end of the podcast, you know, I'll ask, hey, how did it go? What do you think? Um, Who else do you know out there that does this full time and does something amazing in the music industry? And that's where the majority of my um, uh, guests come from. It it has led to a very diverse cast of characters. I've had everything from um, you know, record label owners to artists to AR to uh we just I just recorded an interview with the head of Sound Drop, which is a distributor that does cover art, uh cover songs. Um so it's it's been really interesting. It's been really interesting. But um ask for referrals, consistency, uh what else? And preparation, I would say. Um I, I spend typically, at least an hour or two, um, preparing for any given podcast, checking out people's socials, their websites, past interviews. Um, if, if they're a musician, I will listen to, you know, their catalog. Um, so it's that, that preparation is really key as well.
0: I agree. Definitely doing your homework is is key. The one thing, though, that uh, I definitely need to practice myself is the referrals. I'd never ask my guests afterwards, (laughs) or or I may have asked them maybe one or two times for referrals. But you're absolutely right. That definitely helps when you have a a warm connection, if you will, to somebody else. That definitely helps getting response
1: and i think if you lead with the question how do, how was your experience here and and listen to them you know um i haven't had anybody go oh it was terrible i never want to talk to you again um obviously if somebody had that reaction i wouldn't ask them for their friends names but if you know if if they enjoyed it and the interview went well everybody i've talked to has been more than happy to to introduce me to a couple of friends and um uh, you know, you just kind of ask the question in a way that it guides the types of people that they would introduce you to. you know what what are you looking for? You know what other independent artists do you know that do something cool acoustic or, or whatever you're looking for for your podcast? You never know who somebody's connected with.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing too is that anybody that's in the music industry, especially if anybody who's serious about the music industry also understands the power of connecting people together and the power again of networking. So that's the other thing too and that's why I was also more than happy to give you referrals is because I fully know that is that yes, I had a great experience with you, but also I know the importance that if you're going to ask me that question, if I know somebody that would be a good fit, of course I'm going to mention it because to me I'm now making something happen. I'm the I'm being a connector, I'm a catalyst and that's only going to, you know, help it's, that's going to help everybody it's going to help me it's going to help you it's going to help out who I'm referring to everybody wins in that situation
1: yeah I, I think I think the other thing I I like to try to do is to always try to deliver some value to my guests so you know if they're a producer it's it's always hey when's your next release etc and so I' I'll, I'll, I always try to give them an opportunity to hype up whatever is coming up and I try to time the release specifically to help them um, promote that whatever concert new track etc you know in your case uh, you own a record label and so you know I, I made sure to ask you about hey what what cool stories do you have about your artists um and give you a chance to talk up talk up your catalog um so finding a way to deliver that value to uh, them because you know we're not paying people to uh, be on the podcast so you know this this is how we give back to them to our absolutely
0: guests. absolutely i make sure that as always and we talked about this uh, right before the uh, we started the interview. Was that I always go through what kind of questions I'm going to ask and making sure that the guest is as comfortable as possible. And like you said too, giving them the ability to talk about what they have going on and whether it's in the interview itself or in you know I'll usually will include it in the description or in our make sure it's mentioned in our social media as well. And as, like you mentioned, also try as best as we can to time it so that's around. Uh, something that they have going on, whether it's an announcement or a release or something along those lines that that they can now use that that podcast to help promote what they're um, what they're doing, because you're right. It's like, you know, you know, you're, the guests are donating their time to you. So at least we can do is help them in any way that we can. So I, I totally agree with you. So having said that, um, for all the interviews that you have now done, you mentioned also before about um, some of your guests and and how much they what they've been talking about impacted you. Was there um, any other advice that really resonated with you from the guests that you've interviewed?
1: Wow, um, a lot. Uh, let me try to pick a few pieces out of my brain. Um, one one DJ early on talked about um the importance of LinkedIn, which is not a social network that um you know I was on at the time. Uh, but he really advised that, you know, if you're as you're moving up and trying to professionalize your uh your your job, you know, being on LinkedIn has benefits. And so uh I, as I've been interviewing people, I'll add them to my network on LinkedIn. And so I've been I've been building there. Um I had let's hear who was that? That was uh captain of bass captain, he goes by. Um, and then, uh, rip Kenny, this guy that does really cool, uh, dubstep EDM, uh, sort of, I think he calls it adventure rock. No, no, that was one of your guys. Um, but he kind of does this dubstep rock thing with a guitar and it's, it's really cool. It's exciting. Um, he talked about different strategies for, um, raising your Spotify numbers. He talked about a couple of different ways of advertising to Spotify uh, and also his experiences using uh, the native um, platform within Spotify to boost your your streams um, by through advertising. Uh, both of those were useful. Um, I've done a little bit of advertising straight to Spotify with mixed results, I'm still learning. Um, what else? We've had people talk about... Um, live streaming and fiverr Uh, fiverr is not a live streaming platform but it's a freelancing platform and so one of the things that i like to try to do on my podcast is talk about different ways for uh, djs and producers to bring in different income streams because it as everybody saw last year if your sole source of income is merch and performing live you were kind of screwed last year so You know, maybe you're teaching classes, maybe you've got some freelance gigs for mixing and mastering podcasts. Um, Fiverr is a great platform for that. Um, And so, I had a uh, Portuguese rocker, actually, Sandra Bullitt, uh, who basically managed to break away from her full-time job as a mechanical engineer, and now she she made a living live streaming last year. and part of that was enabled by the income that she had from being a vocalist on Fiverr, um, and so her experiences were really, um, really kind of inspirational. And, and thinking about different ways to um, monetize your experience and your knowledge as a producer, there's there's lots of different ways to make a living as a producer. It's not just I make music and sell music. Um, it kind of comes down to where your talents are and where your interests lie, and also. Um, Let's see here. What else? So advertising, marketing, um, one of the most interesting ones and, and it, um, I I was sad to see him go, you know, we talked about podcasts and having a podcast for a long time. Um, Wade Sutton was a guy that ran rocket to the stars, artist services. I don't know if you ever listened to the six minute music business podcast. I have not actually, it's still out there on YouTube. And, uh, he did a phenomenal my my podcast started as a very short form podcast Um, i tried to keep it 20 minutes or less every time um it's since morphed uh for various reasons but wade's were always very concise very um he tried to sort of be the howard stern of the music business side of things so he would say things that were inflammatory and funny but very insightful and informative too so it was really an enjoyable 10 or 15 minute podcast um unfortunately for personal reasons he moved on and he uh moved out of the music industry which was going back to our point about relationships that you build on a podcast i listened to his podcast five days a week religiously and so uh you know, when he had his last episode and he said, you know, this is it, I'm moving on to some other things. It's personal with my family. And, you know, I remember sitting there in the car, listening to the end of his podcast and crying a little, I was like, oh my gosh. And this is a guy I've never met, but I spent 20 minutes with him every day on a podcast. So there was, there was that connection. And I learned a lot from, from his podcast and from the interview I had with him as well. It's
0: interesting to think about. And I never really, thought about in that way but you're right is that we get so as humans we just get so comfortable for that consistency if you will you were mentioning before about the importance of consistency and I think that is important and one of the reasons why making sure that for both of our sakes we're having uh, episodes being released on a consistent basis is because that people now that listen avidly will want to they get tied to that they have that expectation and then when you take that away from them It's like, you know, it's like, you know, you miss, it's like when your favorite TV show is ending too. Like you get really, you know, you get really teared up and you get really sad That's like, oh, wow, that's, that's
1: it. That's over. You know,
0: we're just, we're so creatures of habit. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things that I, I struggle with Mike and I haven't figured it out the right balance for me because it works differently for different artists, right? Is how much, and, and we've had discussions on the podcast about this too, how much personal stuff to share? You know, some some artists and and personalities they share everything about their personal life, and it creates a real connection and interest. But it also creates a situation where there's there's no privacy. You know, um, I've kind of gone the opposite route because of of personal circumstances with my family and and my wife's preferences as well as uh, my employer's preferences. I, I I've chosen to keep my my you know, pers- my, myself and the house ninja persona very separate. Um, but that I, I recognize that while that mystery DJ kind of is helpful in some ways, it makes it difficult for me to form that connection with fans because I'm not sharing as much as maybe I could. And so I always feel like I'm walking kind of a tightrope between privacy and connection. Um, and, and for every, every artist out there, you know, where you fall on that is, is kind of a personal choice and I'm, I'm sure it can work either way. I'm just trying to figure out and get my balance between the two. Absolutely.
0: And I think there's, I think people always want to hear your own truth. I think what it really comes down to. And sometimes that means that people divulge everything about their personal life and some people they don't. Uh, for example, for myself, I I have no problems talking about my family. I have no t- problems talking about my personal interests. At um, the same token, too, I generally don't speak too much about my you know my personal feelings or mental health. I might talk. Of course, I'll talk about my own personal thoughts and opinions about things, but I really don't go too much into my own personal mental health. Um, just because I don't. That's not something I'm usually comfortable about sharing. Where other people, they have no problems talking about their mental health. But on the opposite side, they don't want to talk too much about their family or other aspects of their personal life. And, you know, and, it, and also on the completely opposite end of the spectrum is that some people don't want to their they have a persona and they want to keep their entire personal life out of it and keep it to just that persona. And you're right. As an artist, I think that really does come down to personal choice. And there really is no, you know, despite what you know, social media, it doesn't I think
1: there is no right or wrong way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so for me on, on social media, um, I try to focus on, you know, obviously sharing what I'm working on right now. um, But I also try to engage with followers as as I have time. um, And I try to, one of the things that is sort of my tagline and has been for a while is dance music for heroes. And so uh, part of what I try to do is to, uh, keep my message very positive, uh, inspire people to be a little more heroic in their everyday life, even if it's just, you know, helping somebody pick up groceries that spilled on the ground, you know, by every, every one of my podcasts ends with, hey, be somebody's hero today, don't forget to be somebody's hero today. And um, so I, I've chosen to kind of use that space on social media to advocate for charities, for example, Um, the live streams that I did were, um, I was raising money for chive charities who provide money for first responders, rare medical illnesses. Um, And then, uh, obviously, last year, one of one of the best fits for me personally was pushing for masks. Um, I I kind of took glee in that because uh, I got in trouble a couple years ago for wearing a mask in public. Um, They have mask laws in Georgia. And uh, one of my early gigs almost ended in disaster because I had a mask on and they didn't like that. So I kind of took a little bit of glee uh, last year in promoting mask wearing. Um, but obviously it was a critically important social issue also. you know the, the science was clear, masks help and it's, it' it is such an easy thing to wear a mask. Um, so that was that was a big thing that I, I tried to champion last year, uh, which obviously fits with the brand well too. Absolutely. <laughs> so now
0: now that you have quite a big experience under your belt being a producer and i know there's so many people out there that would love to get into music production and producing and it can be also so daunting like even if you do all the google searches you there's so much out there for youtube videos or you know organizations clubs and things like that too and sometimes it can be really overwhelming so for anybody that is looking to get from day one saying i really would like to learn how to do music production what would be the very first thing that you would tell them to do
1: i would say um if i had to do it all over again i i would still start with ableton i i like ableton ableton has a very good um tutorial on their website um, it's not even a tutorial it's uh i'll get you the link to include but it it walks you through starting from absolute scratch using their software making a song and it is a really good uh tutorial i think it i don't remember the url um but i would i would start there and then probably the next thing i would do after that um you can download a free copy of ableton to, as a trial uh, and use that for 30 days try out their free tutorial on the Ableton Live website. If you enjoy it, um, you can buy something like a MIDI keyboard like this, and look for one that includes at least an Ableton, Lite, Ableton Live Lite license. Um, so for like 100 bucks, you can pick up a MIDI keyboard and get a license for the, the lowest tier of Ableton. Um, from there, if you're still enjoying it, uh, Ableton has a really good student discount program. So if you're a student, you can get like 50% off their software if you want to upgrade later. Uh, Find producers online that make music like you like, see if they've got a community. A lot of producers these days have Discord channels uh, that you can join and ask questions and get to know them. Um, One of the other artists that really impressed me on my podcast was uh, Julian Gray, who uh, has released on Mousetrap, Dead Mouses label. And what was fascinating to me is that he spent several years really building that relationship uh with the label because he knew that his music kind of fit in that genre but he hung out in the discord channel he he got to know people there and it took time but eventually he he got the release and he's doing he's doing phenomenally well now so as you're learning look for communities that match sort of your musical interests and join those and get involved. Even if you have no aspirations right now of becoming a professional producer and musician, uh, you know, that might change over time. And even if it doesn't, you meet a bunch of cool people and you get better at your hobby. Um, And then of course, there's always, there's always, Various paid groups that you can join as well. Um, I, I've been a member of Producer Dojo, which has been a good experience. But there's there's others out there as well. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would say that's 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 plenty of material to start with. Um, I love Ableton, but that's that's my bias because I've been that's the only DAW that I've ever used. Um, I, I decided to focus my attentions there instead of trying to jump between different ones and there really isn't another one out there that you can also use for, for performing if that's your aspiration.
0: That's a, that's some wonderful advice. So funny, we, we were talking about before about um, guests and giving them the opportunity to plug themselves. So I'm going to give you now the opportunity to plug uh, yourself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I definitely everyone listening, please check out the Producer Life podcast. I had such a wonderful experience being a guest on it. So please go ahead and take a listen to it. Um, subscribe to it. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, we'll definitely put a link for it in the description. Uh, but anything else that you would like to uh, talk about or plug real quick about yourself?
1: Um, thanks Mike. Uh, the biggest thing probably is the website. Uh, it's house ninja music, one word.com. Um, and all of my socials are the same thing. House ninja music, one word, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, come follow and let's, let's keep up. Awesome. Well, thank you so
0: much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. It's been a great experience. Real quick before I let you all go, I want to take the opportunity to really appreciate the fact of all of you listening to the podcast. I've been honestly looking for ways on how to improve the show moving forward. So if you have any ideas or suggestions on what else we can do that you would like to hear or any other ways that we can engage with you, I would love to hear about it. So whenever you have a chance, you can email me. My personal email address is Mike, that's M-I-K-E, at 8020records.com. Or you can engage with us on any of our social media, just at 8020records, on Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case is. Just shoot us a DM, let us know what you guys are thinking about the uh, the whole show in general, and I uh, really do appreciate it. So thank you again so much for all of you listening. It means the world to me. Thank you so much for listening to The 8020 Show. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow. If you enjoyed the episode or this podcast overall, please leave us a review or comment on our socials, which you can find us at 8020RECORDS on pretty much all platforms. You can also check us out on our website at www.8020records.com. And as always, be happy, be healthy, and be productive.